1: the conversation. Why does the left want to destroy anyone who disagrees with them? Alan Dershowitz is here to continue our deep dive into the mind of the modern leftist. Also, another group of congressmen traveled to the border and they couldn't believe what they saw. Congressman Jerry Carl is back from the border to tell us what blew his mind. And teachers at a private school in Miami have been told that if they get experimental vaccines, like the COVID vaccine, they will not be allowed to be around students. We have the founder of Sentner Academy here with us tonight. It's a jam packed show. It's time for Dr. Gina Primetime. President Trump has officially left Palm Beach. It's the end of season, which just means that it's getting too hot for a lot of folks down here. So many people head north for the summer, and we gave President Trump a big, beautiful send-off, as he might say, and we will bring you some of that video tomorrow on the show, so you will not want to miss that. Now, also in Florida, the left is aiming their sights at a small private school in Miami. And we told you a little bit about this last week, but there is a private school in Miami called the Sentner Academy. And they made some international headlines when the school's co-founder asked the teachers to hold off on taking the COVID vaccine because the side effects are still unknown. Here is part of the news story done by a local Miami CBS station.
0: A new South Florida private school is stirring up controversy after its CEO says the school won't hire anyone, including teachers, who get the coronavirus vaccine. Good afternoon, I'm Maribel Rodriguez. The Sentner Academy in Miami sent an email to parents calling the vaccine an experimental drug. CBS4's Brooke Schaefer is live outside the school in Miami with reaction from parents. Brooke, Maribel, the CEO of the Sentner Academy, has shared. Conspiracy theories recently on her Instagram. Now she's making a move at her own private school, saying teachers who want to work here. Can't get the COVID 19 vaccine. In letters to parents and teachers, the private school asked teachers and staff who want to be vaccinated to wait until the end of the school year and said they, quote, cannot allow recently vaccinated people near students. In letters, the school called the vaccine experimental and claimed tens of thousands of women worldwide had adverse reproductive issues like miscarriages or irregular periods by just being near someone who was recently vaccinated. Theories which have been debunked by doctors and the CDC. And, Maribel, I did get an emailed statement from the school's CEO saying in part that until more is known, they're going to err on the side of caution. Again, doctors and the CDC have continued to say this vaccine is safe. The school has told teachers if they do want to get the vaccine over the summer, they won't be allowed back to school until those vaccine clinical trials are complete.
1: And with us tonight, the co-founder of that school uh, will be coming up a little bit later in the show. But coming up next, Alan Dershowitz is here to continue our analysis of the mind of the modern leftist. How do they justify censorship? How do they justify destroying the livelihood of those who disagree with them? The psychology is fascinating, and I was so enamored with my interview with him last time that I said, let's get him back here as soon as possible and that's exactly what we've done. So stay tuned for more Alan Dershowitz and people thinking independently that are running schools. Imagine that. They'll be castigated as conspiracy theorists, but we're gonna leave it up to you to decide what you think. All of that and more right here on Dr. Gina Primetime, back in a moment.
2: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. So glad that you are with us
1: tonight. I find it's becoming harder and harder to understand the mind of a leftist, but it's important that we try. I remember the good old days when a political debate was fun and we could all agree to disagree and even be friends afterward, even if it got a little heated. But it seems that today, debates, civil discourse, those are things of the past. We have now entered an era of silencing, of censorship, of canceling, and of mobs. It's, it's sort of, you know, as somebody that's studied the psychology of politics my whole entire life, fascinating and scary all at the same time. And one of the greatest free thinkers out there is the author of a brand new book called The Case Against the New Censorship, Protecting Free Speech from Big Tech Progressives and Universities. The conversation I had with this man was the most illuminating I've had with anyone in a good long time on this issue so help me welcome him back alan dershowitz great to have you back thank you alan I, i spoke to you last time you were on about my father who is as far left as anyone i know and i am pretty much the same amount of far on the right and that's no secret to anyone but we love each other and we have heated debates and we enjoy that but debates Are not okay anymore I've noticed that and and that's really if I'm honest that's the reason I got on social media to begin with because I wanted to have the conversations and to find common ground with people like you honestly and uh, a handful of few of other Democrats that I used to debate on television we'd have good lively debates and then we'd be friends together uh, afterwards and I thought that was what I thought that was what America was all about. But you write in your book, and we touched on this, how leftists rationalize censorship. And you had the most fascinating response, so I want to go back to it. Um, I want you to tell us again how it is that leftists can justify taking free speech rights away from their political opponents. What it is, you told me last time, that your leftist friends tell you in order to rationalize Uh, cancellation and censorship.
3: Well, very simply, they know the truth with a big T. They
1: know that every time a policeman
3: shoots a black person, the policeman's guilty. Every time a woman accuses a man, the man is guilty. Every election is fair and um, every vaccine works. They know the truth. And if you know the truth, what do you need to send for? You know, you talked about the old days when Bill Buckley and I used to fight like children on television, arguing with each other. I was his favorite liberal. He was my favorite conservative. We would fight and then we would have a drink. Today, you can still fight and have a drink, but they take you down. Let me give you an example. Bobby Kennedy Jr., the son of the very liberal attorney general of the United States, who is an environmental lawyer but a skeptic about vaccines, challenged me to a debate on the constitutionality of vaccinations, all of that range of issues, scientific, legal, um, medical. We had a great debate. And um, I think I won on the merits. Uh, some people think you won on the merits. That's the nature of debates. Uh, thousands of people watched it. Hundreds of people wrote to us. And then YouTube took it down and said, we think Dershowitz was right. Kennedy was wrong. We don't want people to hear Kennedy's views. So we're taking down the whole debate. So today, even if people on different sides of an issue want to debate and want to be friendly, YouTube won't let them, not on our channel, not on our platform. And so we had to remove it from YouTube because I don't want just my side of the debate up there. We put it on Rumble and the alternative mechanisms and platforms hopefully will get a little bit more attention now with YouTube engaging in the kind of censorship they're engaged in.
1: And one of the other things that you said, you sort of took it one step further, and you said that the left rationalizes this in, in, in their own minds in, a, in an almost benevolent way um, by saying, it sounds very Marxist to me, but let's just, let's just go with that argument because they believe it's benevolent, surely in their minds to rationalize it, um, that the elite or the wealthy have the ability to get their message out but the disadvantage, and I'm putting words in your mouth, I want you to say what you said, but the disadvantaged don't, and therefore it's up to the elite on the left to take up the mantle of the poor and disadvantaged who are inherently right, um, because if, if, the, if the left don't take it up, then there's a chance that those on the right, for example, a Donald Trump or a a Buckley, someone else, right, um, will have a better opportunity because of their money and power to get that message out. And therefore, the left's argument won't win and the disadvantaged person will remain disadvantaged. Now, you said it much better than that. But can can you kind of repeat that idea that you said last time you were on this show?
3: For the first time in my long, long history of fighting for freedom of speech, for the first time in 60 years, I hear academics, academics, professors justifying censorship, claiming that free speech in and of itself is patriarchal, is sexist, is hierarchical, is racist. It's a way of the privilege keeping the unprivileged down. And by abolishing free speech, we're creating equality. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Kurt Vonnegut wrote a short story about somebody he called the handicapper general. Um, and it was a time when, it's a science fiction, 100 years from now, when we enacted an amendment that required that all people be equal so that all athletic people or people who are good dancers had to have a weight attached to their leg. All intelligent people had to have a buzzer in their ears so that they couldn't think coherently. Uh, And that way, we would make everybody equal. Nobody would be smarter than anybody else. Nobody would be stronger. Nobody would be faster. I mean, that's the kind of unequal equality that some on the left want to bestow on us. And the way to achieve that is eliminate free speech, which has always been the road to equality. You know, I say in my book, The Case Against the New Censorship, that the 40 years, post-McCarthyism and until the 21st century, was the golden age, both of free speech. We had the greatest expansion of free speech. I participated in many of those cases. I helped litigate the Pentagon Papers and other cases. But at the same time, we had an expansion in equality. We had more equality for blacks, for women, for gays, for transsexuals, for Asian Americans, for Latino and Latina Americans. Uh, So there's no incompatibility in reality and historically between freedom of speech and uh, other important values. But the woke generation now thinks you can't have freedom of speech and equality, and they prefer equality to freedom of speech. They're just wrong, and I'm prepared to debate them on it, but I don't want to see them shut down the debate.
1: Yeah, and, and and I think it's it, you know it's so interesting to me to talk to you because you are so you're so rational and matter of fact about it, and, and your book obviously lays this whole thing out. But you spend the great majority of your time around uh, people who do you know are on the left side of politics, and so it strikes me that so much of what they're saying. boils down to this whole equity argument that we're hearing a lot about today, which comes straight out of the pages of uh, Marxism. There's just no denying that. But they have all read Marx. They have all read Orwell. They've read Animal Farm. When I hear you talking about their rationale for this, I'm hearing straight out of Animal Farm. I'm hearing the pigs say some are more equal than others. They're talking about equity there in that line out of Animal Farm. Um, Alan, they've all read this stuff. Why suddenly, in this day and age, do they seem to forget the history that they know and and even the great works of, of folks like Orwell that they know? And they have to know that things like this have not worked in the past. So what is it about today that they seem to be forgetting that? Or is this some sort of Machiavellian goal to power for them?
3: Well, first of all, the woke generation doesn't read history. They don't care about dead white men. Um, They don't read uh, Thomas Jefferson's, Thomas, uh, uh, John Stuart Mill uh, on the First Amendment, on free speech. They don't care about that. They are woke. They have a new set of values. They know what the truth is. And if they know the truth, why bother with dissent? What do you need it for? What do you need due process for? What do you need trials? Why did you have to even have a trial for Chauvin? We all know Chauvin was guilty, and so why bother with a trial? What's wrong with Maxine Waters uh, going into the jury box basically and telling them that if they come to any verdict other than guilty of murder, there'll be violence on the streets? Why do we care about that? The ends justify the means, and they don't understand history. They don't see that what they're saying was said by not only Mark but by Castro and by Stalin and by uh, Mussolini and by people on the right and by people in China today and by people in Belarus today. um, They haven't learned the lessons of history. And as the great philosopher said, those who fail to understand the lessons of the past are deemed to repeat or are are damned to repeat it. And we're going to see repetitions of totalitarianism and authoritarianism, both on the right and the left, if you abolish free speech. Free speech is the pathway to democracy, without free speech, without due process, without basic abilities to contest and to argue, we're on the road to totalitarianism.
1: Do you, but even with your, you know, your professors, your colleagues that aren't necessarily the woke generation, but that used to understand this, is there even so much as a whisper campaign of Things are going awry. I mean, yes, you know, I may be a a leftist uh, professor, but things are going awry. Alan, secretly, I agree with you. Do do people say things like that? Are we seeing this pendulum swing? That's what I'm asking.
3: No, we're seeing a whisper campaign. People call me all the time and tell me I'm right, but they don't have the courage to speak out. They don't want Mm -hmm. their classes. They don't want uh, pickets in front of their houses. They don't have the courage. Look, in in 50 years of teaching at Harvard, I've never seen a less courageous group of people than tenured professors. Um, They talk in secret a lot. They talk among themselves a lot, but they're unprepared to speak up against the students and against the loudest group in the student body. There are many students who agree with me as well. Some do have the courage to speak up, and they're graded down when they do. Others don't have the courage to speak up. But there is a groundswell of feeling in favor of free speech, but an unwillingness to challenge the status quo. This is true among the administration as well. The administration comes up with all kinds of fancy stuff about due process and free speech. But then when the students demand something, they give in uh, right away. Take Ron Sullivan, my colleague, who was the first black professor at a college, at Harvard College. He got essentially fired because he dared to represent Harvey Weinstein. The students claim, at least some they didn't feel safe they felt frightened because a lawyer represented a client in court and the administration went along and fired him uh and just unbelievable the reaction was quietly opposed to it but publicly nobody would say anything
1: i also find it fascinating professor how leftists have now become proponents of open borders it wasn't always that way we have plenty of prominent democrat politicians pushing for border security. We've had them over the years. But now, if you aren't lockstep on that issue, you will be canceled by the Democrat Party. What happened to the border debate that caused the leftists to go lockstep on this issue?
3: Well, we should debate it. I'm much more sympathetic to immigration than some people are. My family immigrated. My grandfather helped 29 members of our family survived the Holocaust just months before Hitler invaded Czechoslovakia and not all of them came in legally. Um, My grandfather uh, did, uh, he admitted later in life, uh, create some false affidavits to save the lives of people. So I'm sympathetic to people escaping persecution. I don't march lockstep with anybody on any issue, but uh, today we ought to have great debates about uh, these issues of immigration. Immigration has been the the, the essence of American history from the beginning. and But we ought to have secure borders, of course, and we ought to have a pathway to lawful immigration. But these are issues that we should debate. Everything is debatable. There's nothing that's beyond the realm of debate. Look, my family was murdered in the Holocaust, and I don't think we should ban Holocaust denial. It's wrong, it's false, it's bigoted, it's racist, it's horrible. But let Holocaust deniers speak and let me prove them wrong. Isn't it better if... I prove them wrong, then if they become martyrs of censorship and say, see, they're so afraid of our views that they won't let us speak.
1: Your platform can't be big enough to me, uh, Alan Dershowitz. You are just—I uh, really appreciate everything that you're saying, and I think that we all need to hear it today. So your lips and the letters of your book straight to God's ears. Thank you so much for being with us. Everybody should get a copy of his book, *The Case Against a Censorship*. Do not miss it. *A Case Against the New Censorship*, rather, uh, by Professor Alan Dershowitz. Thanks again for being with us.
3: My pleasure. Thank you.
1: God bless you. Coming up, Congressman Jerry Carl just met with Border Patrol agents at the border, and they showed him some pretty disturbing sights. We will talk to the co-founder of the private school, also who asked teachers to hold off on getting the COVID vaccine. Why? Well, the left is smearing her, and the right is praising her. And the left, uh, the school's uh, co-founder, Lila Centner, is going to join us. So we have some questions you're not going to want to miss right here, Dr. Gina Primetime. Stick around.
2: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Welcome back to Back to Gina Prime Time. It's another day of the Biden administration, and that means it's another day of the Biden border crisis. A group of congressmen are just back from the southern border in San Diego, and Congressman Jerry Carl was part of that group, and he is good enough to join us right now. Congressman, good to see you. Great to have you on. Thanks for being with us.
4: Great to be on, Dr. Gina. Thank you.
1: Congressman, I have a special love for that border area where you just were between uh, Tijuana, Mexico and San Diego that has been hit so hard by illegal immigration. I used to live right there during the Obama years, and I could walk literally to the border fence from my house. And it was a really tough situation there because California is essentially a sanctuary state. So tell me, um, what was the most surprising thing that you saw there at the border?
4: Well, the amount of drugs that they were confiscating and, and them telling us that was uh, less than 1% of what they projected coming across the border. You know, we saw 180 pounds of, of uh, methamphetamines taken out of one fuel tank, which just just blew me away. I, I'd never seen anything like that. And the different nationalities that's crossing that border, uh, you know, everyone thinks it's, it's, it's Mexicans, but in reality, it's 140 different countries that are crossing the border. We saw several from Cuba. We saw them from Russia. We saw them from Bulgaria. We saw them from Brazil. They had 1,200 Brazilians that were lined up at a hotel to come across the border there in San Diego at any time, and they knew they were coming.
1: Unbelievable. And um, what did you hear from the Border Patrol agents? What what were their biggest frustrations at this uh, stage of the game?
4: Their, their biggest frustration, obviously, is the wall is not finished. The wall is doing its job. And where these people are coming through is literally where the walls are not. Uh, the Biden administration has also taken the teeth out of ICE. So they they've really defunded ICE quite a bit. So it's, ICE is not, not as prevalent as it, as it needs to be. And the Border Patrol is, is begging for more help to process people uh, they, they need more help to try to stop drugs. Their background is, is 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 law enforcement. Law enforcement is not just processing people, but it's also catching the bad guys. The bad guys are crossing in different places. They're spending all their time and resources handling the families and these, these folks that are coming through uh, under these conditions. But it, it's just horrible down there. Just the volume and sheer volume will blow your mind. People are walking across the border and just standing there until someone comes and gets them. They process them, they get them on a bus or get them on an airplane and and send them to, uh, you know, all places across the U.S. So it's gonna affect everyone, everyone.
1: And Congressman, uh, you're striking every chord with me today. Um, You're from Alabama, which is where I lived and started my broadcasting career. And you would think that um, illegal immigration wouldn't be as big of an issue perhaps in Alabama as it is in the border states. But I remember when I was doing my radio show there my callers started to talk about this going clear back to those days alabama and all states are affected by illegal immigration what happens in california does not stay in california as i always say Um, and so tell us about the effects on a state as far removed from the actual border as alabama
4: Well, you've you've still got uh, these immigrants that are coming across, and they're declaring they've got a relative in Birmingham, Alabama, or Mobile, Alabama. They're declaring that that that's where they uh, have family, so they're shipping them there. So they are coming here. But the thing that alarms me the most is just the sheer amount of drugs that are involved. I met with law enforcement this morning. We talked about methamphetamines. They said a year ago the methamphetamines, uh, a a, a gram of methamphetamines was $200. Now it is $30. It is so abundant. The price has gotten down so cheap. It's because we don't have strong borders. You have to stop the people and the drugs, and you can't do it without the wall, and you can't do it without supporting our law enforcement that's down there through Border Patrol and ICE.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Congressman, uh, California allowed illegal immigrants to pour across the year, uh, border for years, but they still managed to lose more population than they gained, which just seems almost inconceivable. They lost a congressional seat over their horrendous policies there. But the leftists who are running California don't seem very concerned. Why?
4: You know, I don't know. They have an abundance of cash. They got $50 billion, uh, <clears throat> under this last uh, uh, projection. I see today they claim a thirty-six billion dollar surplus from from their taxes they're collecting. So they're just, they're choking the businesses out there is what they're doing. And we've got businesses that are that are that are moving out. And they're moving to Alabama. They're moving obviously to Florida. They're they're moving to where it's much more business friendly. But uh, you know, California is is you know they're just they're off the grid. I mean, I don't think they they can can connect with reality. The reality is, you know, is, is we want to feed our families and we want to, you know, we want to grow up in a safe environment and they're, you know, they're talking about defunding the police and they want to do away with this and that, but they want to add all these social events and how are you going to all these social uh, uh, programs, but you can't pay for them. You know, you have to have those jobs and you have to be able to to, to control people flowing through and the drugs. I keep saying the drugs, it's killing America. We've got to wake up. we We've got to start fighting this every way we can. And you can't get an answer unless you go to the border and talk to the folks at the border. They will tell you how to fix it. The Biden administration has done nothing to do that. And I encourage, I beg the president to go down there and talk to the, the, the men and the women that are serving us on that border. They will tell you how to fix this problem.
1: Well, what can be done by, uh, you know, at least in D.C., by congressional Republicans? I've heard so many patriots out there tell me that we can't survive this for an entire four years, this massive invasion on our southern border by the Biden administration. Um, What can we do? What can be done now? What can you tell us we can do in the meantime? Because if four years is too many, we have to do something.
4: Well, first of all, we're Americans and we're tough. Our ancestors bled a lot of sweat and blood to, to get us where we're at today. So we're not giving up. Giving up is not an option. We've got we've got to make as much noise as we can, get on programs just like this. Tell as much as we what we have seen, and try to get the Biden administration to understand what what's what what we need to be looking at. Let's instead of feeding all these these false stories and 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 trying to get, open the borders wide open. Open your eyes. Let's see what's going on, Mr. President. Please. I mean, there are, we've got there, There's really no telling what's crossing that border. It could be, it could be dirty bombs. It could be bad, bad people. Uh, we saw a lot of families, a lot of young children uh, that that really will tear at your heart. Right, George. If they want to be here, come here the right way. We want you to come join us. But it has to be done the right way and the proper way. It can't just be throw the doors open and everybody just walk in. And that's what they're doing in San Diego. They call it the Lemon Line which is the, the, the yellow markers on the road, all they have to do is step across that lemon line and declare uh, asylum and they're, they're, they're here, they're here. We the taxpayers will pick it up from their on.
1: Yeah, never mind the people that are waiting in line to do things yeah. legally and have been waiting, many of them, for years and years. Congressman, while I have you, I want to ask you about the battle going on now in the GOP leadership. Congresswoman Liz Cheney is the number three ranking Republican in the House right now, and it looks like she might be on her way out. Um, what can you tell us about this?
4: I, you know, I, I feel sorry for Liz. I, and she's friends with all of us. I, I think I think she's really lost her uh, understanding of what management is, what leadership is. I mean, when you buy into leadership, you buy into becoming one, and and it, and it's not one voice anymore. It, it's become splintered. So I I think you'll see some changes this week. I truly do, and and I'm sorry for that. I mean that that that's a friend of mine, and I hate to see it happen, but I think it's going to happen. And and from everything, I I'm not real sure that she doesn't want it to happen. Uh, it, it's just it's just too obvious. Uh, you know, the president whether you agree or disagree with him, my gosh, his policies are are just carved in stone. They don't get any better than than what we have we've gotten for the last 4 years. So, uh, you know, if, if you got a negative opinion of leadership, just keep it to yourself. I mean, it's that simple. Just be quiet.
1: Congresswoman Elise Stefanik now is appearing uh, to be Cheney's replacement. Now that President Trump and others have backed her. Are you confident that Stefanik is the right person to take the number three spot in House leadership?
4: I do. We we all know her very well. She's a go-getter. She's very excited. She's obviously a very strong team player, and that's what what we need in place. We have got to get ready for 2022, and we can't do that being splintered up. We have to be one, and we're going to become one, and we're going to take it over in 2022. Hopefully, we'll take two or more seats in the Senate, and then we'll we'll be able to ride out this this uh, next three years with the Biden administration. That's how we're going to survive.
1: Congressman Jerry Carl from Alabama's first congressional district. Thank you so much for being with us.
4: Thank you. God bless America.
1: All right, we told you last week about the Sentner Academy. It is a private school in Miami. Florida and the school's co-founder gained national attention when she asked teachers to wait until summer break to get the COVID vaccine because the vaccine is still in the experimental phase. And we have very little data on what effect it has on people and what danger it could present to people around those who have had the vaccine and are shedding it. So the co-founder of the Sentner Academy joins me right now, Layla Sentner. Layla, thank you so much for being with us.
5: Hi, Dr. Gina, thank you so much for having me today.
1: Now, Layla, tell us about the policies surrounding COVID that you have implemented at your school and why you are more comfortable doing it this way.
5: So um, starting September when we opened school, I did things very differently. Um, I allowed mask exemptions, so I would say about 80% of our kids don't wear masks. I didn't put plexiglass around the desks of the kids. I, I did not socially distance the kids. I allowed them to be kids. My main focus and priority was their emotional and mental well-being. I studied the data. I saw that uh, kids had a 99.9974% recovery rate. I spoke to a pediatric immunologist of a, of a children's hospital nearby, and I went over with him, uh, you know, he had an analysis of 3,500 children's COVID cases. And I learned from his analysis at the time um, that only one child had passed away. And even though one child is too many, I looked at the positive side, which was this child had a lot of comorbidities and a lot of other issues. So the verdict at that time was, and it is at this time as well, kids recover from this well. Kids are not um, asymptomatic spreaders like people would have you believe. I'm actually a walking uh, study to prove that we haven't had any issues. We haven't had one teacher go to the hospital because of uh, getting sick with COVID, and we haven't had one child go to the hospital because they caught COVID. So what all of the other schools are doing right now, which are really treating children like they're uh, in in a prison system, there is a school right up the street from our school where the children aren't even allowed to speak to each other during lunchtime. They sit six feet apart. I mean, in my mind, this is inhumane. And this is what you do to prisoners to punish them. So we are punishing our children and we are not thinking about their emotional well-being. And I believe the reason why schools are doing this is they're, one, blindly following the CDC, and two, they're protecting themselves so that way uh, they're not, you know, they're not having an increase in cases, therefore they're on the news, or they're protecting themselves from a parent potentially suing them because their child got COVID at school. For me, I don't look at liability. I look at the wellness and the safety of the children. So I got a lot of heat for my or the decisions that I made early on uh, from a handful of parents that wanted the plexiglass they wanted the children in mass eight hours a day and it was something that I just couldn't do I couldn't do I'm happy I didn't do it because our children don't have the same anxiety level that the other kids do at the other schools I mean right I have some I have some great examples of what's happening to kids emotionally I share the story with others that I had one child, five years old, come to our school and we do these shadow days where they get Uh to spend a full day with us. Well, anyways, the child was in a mask. The whole family was in a mask. They came from a school where all the kids are wearing masks and socially distancing. They're not allowed to hold each other or anything. So the child arrived at 9 a.m. By 9.30, we had to call their mother to, we had to call this girl's mother to pick her up because she had a complete anxiety and panic attack. She was sitting yeah. in a room with kids. Yeah, and we're hearing kids. this all the
1: time. Yeah, and we're hearing this all the time. And, and, and you know, we're also hearing about um, drug use, about depression, about suicide in children. What ages are the children in your school, Layla? What grade? So right now,
5: we start from pre-K-2 and we go to eighth grade. But in two years, we're actually opening high school. So if there are any amazing potential principals uh, for my high school that are looking for a job, we've
1: got some great job openings. Um, I'm looking yes, for I somebody. Yes, I heard. I heard great- that the minute <laughs> the news hit that you were doing all of this, you were deluged not only with applications for students who want to go to there, whose parents want their children to have an opportunity to be someplace like your school, but you were also inundated with applicants from teachers and administrators who want to be part of a school like this. Um, so, so that's extremely exciting. And I also know, I happen to know because I I've met you. Um, that uh, people around Florida are asking you to build more schools in other places in Florida um, because they all want to have the same kind of freedom that you offer in your school. Um, Very quickly, because we don't have a lot of time left, but what is known about the shedding that is done from people who have had the vaccine? What do we actually know about this experimental vaccine and what ramifications could be caused by being around someone who's just had it? Quickly as you can.
5: Uh, As fast as I can. Unfortunately, there's not a lot known. There are a lot of claims that were being made In fact, Facebook had a a group with over 20,000 people and they were all sharing their stories And then Facebook censored and took down that page right now. There's a page on Telegram. It's called menstrual cycles You can look it up. People are also sharing their stories there It's just so many reports and claims are being made that this needs to be researched and analyzed by the medical community To determine if there is an issue or not. We can't just gaslight this or hide it or call me names because I'm bringing up the issue. You know, we need to address it. And we can't say it's a conspiracy theory because these are real people with real claims and real incidences of things that are happening to them. We can't discount that.
1: Uh, No, I completely agree, and I wish we had a lot more time with you, Layla. But, um, you know, I commend you for standing and and being brave and being strong and not... Uh, being experimental with your children that you're responsible for in your school until you have some hard facts. Another great place is Frontline Doctors that I think is a great, but you have to look up all these places on independent sites. If you go to the big tech sites like Google, they won't let you through. I suggest going to DuckDuckGo or other places for these searches. Layla Sentner, best of luck to you in your school. Coming up, some news you didn't know. Stay with us. More right after this.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: some news you didn't know. And here to help as always from our RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, Jessica Rivera. Jessica, great to see you. Happy Mother's Day to you. I hope it was terrific.
2: Same to you, Dr. Gina. Happy belated Mother's Day to you and to all our Thank viewers. <laughs> and today um, my report is basically can universities and workplaces require COVID vaccines. With many companies starting to bring back employees to in-person work settings and universities preparing for fall, we keep hearing that some are demanding students and employees to have the vaccine before they can actually return, like Northeastern University Administrator, Michael Armini, take a listen.
4: So we're gonna require the COVID-19 vaccine for the same reason that we have always required vaccinations of students, whether it's for measles or mumps or meningitis,
2: and it's to keep the community safe. But Dr. Gina, the reality of the situation is it's very gray. The vaccines Armini mentioned are only permitted because they're FDA approved vaccines. None of the current COVID vaccines are, at least at this point. The COVID vaccine is only approved by by the FDA for emergency use. Armini went on to say he basically hopes peer pressure will kind of bring the undecided students around to eventually get the vaccine, which is a dangerous thought process because don't we want people to make their own decision after they've kind of researched, they feel comfortable and they actually believe in the decision that they're making, not because they've been coerced into it or feel forced. And this is exactly the problem that many have with universities today, but I digress. Ultimately, we will not know the absolute legalities of requiring COVID tests or COVID vaccines until someone takes a university or company to court to find out what the courts actually have to say and how they will rule. And I suspect that will be happening any day now.
1: You know, I suspect you're right on that, Jessica. There's just a whole lot going on here. And uh, I think Americans are real tired of having their freedoms suppressed. So I agree with you on that.
2: Absolutely, and I know I've heard a lot of people at my church, their kids are going back to school and they felt forced to do it, so they did it, but they're really scared. The women are scared, the guys are scared, if it's going to possibly come out later, that it makes them sterile. Um, So I just think that peer pressure kind of thought is very dangerous right now in this area, but ultimately I guess we'll have to just wait to see what the courts say.
1: We sure will, but we're hearing more and more about this. I'm telling you, it's 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 building up and we're gonna be hearing, I think, a lot about what the vaccines may or may not have done, what the masks may or may not have done. Um, one thing that will be gainful employment in the future is definitely law. So we have that going for us. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us.
2: Of course, Dr. Gina, thank you.
1: Now over in New York City, Unfortunately, the news is not good. Shots rang out over the weekend in Times Square. A man named Farrakhan Muhammad is the suspect in that shooting, and he was trying to shoot his brother, we're told, when he shot three bystanders, one of those, unfortunately, a four-year-old child who was toy shopping. Here with me now, New York City radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. Kevin, great to have you with us. So sorry under the circumstances. You've told us every week on this show that your city is getting progressively more dangerous. Kevin, is this just a sign of the times in New York City?
6: I think unfortunately it is, and unfortunately it was very preventable and predictable. Um, We're in the midst of a mayor's race that's going on uh, here in 2021 in New York City, and you have... Thirty eight Democrats running against two different Republicans for the nominations and and their positions on only one issue really matters. And that is what they will do with crime in the day to day life of the average New Yorker. And when you're talking about uh, murder rates up 300 percent, gun assaults up 300 percent. Uh, uh, armed robbery, carjackings, car theft, all up multiple hundreds of percent from just two years ago. You have to look at some of the basic rationale as to why, and it's, a, it's kind of a perfect storm. You had uh, a bail reform law that basically gives everyone a get-out-of-jail-free card. You had George Soros-backed uh, district attorneys that stopped enforcing and prosecuting crime. And you've had a mayor who has sought to defang the police, if not defund them to some degree on different levels. And what's happened is we've seen the biggest exit of New York uh, residents uh, in, in the modern era. And it is turning into, it has turned into an increasingly dangerous place. And I believe that the next mayor will have to face the crime issue head-on regardless of which party he comes from and in fact the guy that's moved into the lead on the democratic side brooklyn borough president eric adams is a former cop and he's the only one on the democratic side not talking about further defunding but we've sadly this was all that you could have predicted something like this was going to happen just a matter of time
1: yeah it really it really does seem so and i think that this sadly probably is not the last time we'll see something like this but It is haunting to see right there in Times Square, where uh, you and I've walked many times. Uh, You know, I I never had a visit to New York City that I didn't take time to go to Times Square um, and just and might I just add something
6: about the the B roll you had there. There was an NYPD officer, uh, a woman who picked up that four year old and ran her to safety, ran her for the help that she needed, and probably saved the four year old's life. This narrative that it's the NYPD that's the problem is bogus. And Mayor de Blasio today asking Congress to get involved to stop the shipping of guns to New York City, it's not Congress's job. It starts with the mayor. It starts with the mayor protecting the people that he's elected to protect.
1: Wow. Thank you so much for adding that, Kevin. Very critical information. Kevin, I talked to you a few weeks ago about a Canadian pastor who is a Polish immigrant who ran the police out of his church and called them Nazis as he was running them out of the church. Well, the Nazis are back and they've arrested him for defying COVID orders in his church service. Kevin, this is up in Canada, but it is still pretty scary that Western nations are going after pastors.
6: Well, especially when considering here in North America, the access we have to vaccines and what we're doing by way of herd immunity. I mean, Dr. Nicole Sapphire is on my show every Wednesday, and she indicated last week that 57 percent of American citizens, uh, adults, have had at least one of the two shots necessary for some of the vaccines if they haven't taken the single dose vaccine by itself when you add that with the very, very low fatality rate of what the COVID uh, virus uh, exacts on a population, we're getting closer and closer to not even needing masks indoors and the fact that they feel free to go after this pastor. I mean, certainly Canada has a different set of protocols than America does, but I think it's is—I uh, think it's emblematic of, of power that's gone to people's heads and, and the real problem that that creates when you're talking about the use of police force to enforce that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you add the, the half of the number of people that have gotten, half of the population that has a COVID shot. Um, I believe the statistic is 30% of people have some sort of T cell immunity that they just have and they don't even know why, just from a, another SARS uh, episode or something else. Um, and then you add to that the number of people that have natural immunity from the antibodies, from having the actual virus. and um, And then you add the number of people that just um, are too really young to have bad outcomes from it, even if they do get it, young or healthy or whatever. Um, and, right. and we really are reaching a place where this is just absurd. It's absurd. Um, but I want to get now to uh, the fun part of the show with you, Kevin. Was, we could talk about the bad news all day, but it's fun, time to get to our meme of the day. well-known conservative cartoonist, a drawing by Antonia Bronco. Um, It shows illegal immigrants begging to get into the US as we all know they do and they are saying please let us in so we can be victims of systemic racism and white supremacy and Kevin even though this is kind of funny because it's so true that irony sometimes can be funny the left wants to let everyone in the country so they can escape terrible circumstances around the world but then in the next breath they say that this is the worst place in the world it doesn't it doesn't match Kevin if this were the worst place in the world people wouldn't be dying to come here quite literally would they
6: well if most things made sense you wouldn't have a a president who goes in to see a former president and his wife and take a weird picture without masks and then come outside where there's no danger at all and put a mask on i think we've kind of gone around the corner of what makes sense these days it's more about all getting the message out about an agenda not sure any of it makes any sense
1: well You know, Kevin, and that's why we have you on the show every Monday to just kind of center us back into a little bit of reality. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. G. Absolutely. And I join him on his radio show on Monday, and then he in turn comes on and joins us. Uh, um, Monday nights, every Monday night, or we try to do as closely as we can to that because sometimes you just know life happens. But anyway, thanks to you also for joining me, and I hope that you had a wonderful Mother's Day. And yes, we are all still proud to be moms, not birth givers, Like the left would like us to be called, which is the most bizarre new uh, cancel piece of all of this. But anyway, and thanks to all of you here at Real America's Voice also for making the show happen every single day. Live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and the crew. And tomorrow, we will show you a video of the big send-off we gave with the president, a bunch of other stuff happening around Palm Beach. But until then, you hug your children, love your God, go boldly now, and
5: live the truth.